in the past week, the Chicago Bears have made some signings in uh, free agency. Some of them have been good. Others have been, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, pretty bad. And uh, on today's episode, I'm going to go through all of them and uh, give my opinion on the state of the Chicago Bears after one week of free agency. Let's talk about it. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to episode 8 of the Commissioner's Office podcast. My name is Daniel, and uh, in the last episode, we talked about, um, or at least I talked about, my plans for the Bears and free agency and what they should do. I went over some potential players to sign, uh, kind of some sort of contingency plans for what to do in the draft, depending on the various moves that they made. And uh, with with one week of free agency gone, we uh, have gotten a, a good look at what Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are uh, going to try to do here with the, the Bears for the 2021 season. So before I get into my personal uh, opinions about the moves, I'm going to cover a lot of the players that uh, either left or were signed by the Bears. So let's... Um, Let's go through the players that they re-signed first. So players that are already on the team, um, but they decided to bring back for another year. All right, so if you look on the uh, Bears website, now, uh, just a little disclaimer, a lot of signings are not actually confirmed by the team that signs the player until maybe a day or two after a reporter will break the story. So um, I have a mix of players that I know have agreed to deals, but the uh, contract has not been announced by the the team that signed them, in this case the Bears, but the deals are all but done at this point. However, I'm looking at the Bears website uh, at the re-signed players, so this stuff was decided a few days ago. So here are all the players they re-signed. Uh, the first one is Alex Bars. He is a uh, backup offensive lineman. And he saw some time, I think, at left guard and center uh, towards the end of the season when a lot of our linemen were getting hurt. I'm not mad at it. He's a depth player. That's fine. They brought back Dion Bush. Uh, he's like a backup safety, especially with Tashawn Gibson potentially being out the door. They decided to keep him back on a one-year deal. This one was a little bit of a surprise, not in the player that they signed, but in the amount of money that they gave him. They decided to re-sign Mario Edwards Jr., who was a defensive end uh, this season. I had some mixed feelings about him. I know he got suspended for a game, and he kind of had a lot of penalties called on him. But overall, I thought he was an okay player. They signed him to a three-year extension. I think they gave him about $11 million, like eight guaranteed, something like that. So, you know, a pretty healthy contract. Um, So we'll see what they decide to do with him. They also brought back uh, J.P. Holtz. He's a backup tight end. I think he's a pretty solid player, a good depth player at a tight end position that needs some help. They decided to bring back Jermaine Ifedi. Um, They signed last year from Seattle. I think he saw a lot of time at right guard and right tackle. I didn't really think he was that good, but... You know, I guess anything is better than depth, 
And in this case, I guess I'd take him over Rashad Coward, who is not returning to the team. Uh, they brought back Ryan Nall, who's like a third-string running back. Um, saw some time when David Montgomery was hurt, and Cordell Patterson, the running back at the time, needed a break. So again, that's, I guess, fine. Um, now we get into some of the larger moves. They brought back Pat O'Donnell, <laughs> their punter, to a one-year deal. Um, then this is the most notable of players that was re-signed. They decided to bring back Cairo Santos, and <laughs> I thank the football gods for that. I was cautiously optimistic that they would bring him back. Uh, so Cairo Santos agreed to a five-year contract, $16 million, with a max value of $17.5 million. However, this is something I've seen a lot this year, the final two years of the deal are voidable, so it's really a $9 million three-year deal with a max value of $11 million. Uh, that's according to a uh, USA Today article from the 12th of March. So that is definitely a good move. I really like that move. It's not a bad contract for a guy who had a great season. I'm glad they are deciding to ride the hot hand, so at least that shows me that they have some understanding <laughs> of how kicker talent works, although they've kind of fumbled the kicker position, no pun intended, uh, last few seasons. Uh, other notable moves, they brought back Patrick Scales, who's their long snapper. They brought back James Vauders, who's a backup in outside linebacker. Uh, you pl they play in the 3-4, so in this scheme, he's going to be like an edge guy, so the same position that Khalil Mack plays. Uh, they also brought back Josh Woods, who I think plays the same position. And also the last move they made, this isn't a re-signing, but it's similar. They franchise-tagged Allen Robinson which is a good move. <laughs> it's a good move. I think he did sign the tag. Uh, you know, I think how it works is that the franchise tag is, it is a one-year contract that is theoretically offered by the team uh, that controls the player, and the player can choose to sign it or not. So, like, how holdouts work is that, like, if it's a player who's playing on a franchise tag, they can just not sign the tag, um, but uh, in like demand for a new contract. However, Allen Robinson was, as far as uh, I know, had no intention to sign his franchise tag, which not really surprising. He's unhappy with the team. He wants a new contract. But what made him change his mind is the um, is the market, and. You know, there are a lot of good receivers in this free agency class. You know, you had uh, Curtis Samuel, who goes back to his old coach on the football team. Um, you had Juju Smith-Schuster, so, who a lot of people thought were going to leave. But he actually went back to the Steelers on a huge pay cut. I mean, he took like a one-year, $8 million deal when the Ravens made a very aggressive offer for him that um, was more money. So I guess he really likes mediocrity and bad management in Pittsburgh or whatever. Um, and then the biggest one of them all was Kenny Galladay, who the Lions just decided not to sign for some reason. Uh, and 
I think the reason why, where was I going with this? The reason why uh, Allen Robinson decided to sign his tag was because the Bears actually met with Kenny Galladay. Um, and most teams were only willing to give Galladay a one-year deal. So Robinson is just kind of seizing his opportunity. He knows he's probably not going to get a better contract if he is traded to a team who has the money to sign him. So it looks like he's going to stay with the Bears unless they trade him, which at this point would not surprise me. Um, But with that out of the way, let's talk about the incoming players. Now, uh, I joked uh, with my... my, uh, family a few days ago that the Bears this year and the and the Cubs actually switched places in the offseason so uh Jed Hoyer the Cubs uh, GM is now now running the Bears and I say that because uh last few seasons the Cubs have been very quiet in free agency and it's a different league but they have been very quiet and the Bears have been pretty busy this year, the Bears were pretty quiet, at least up until a few days ago. And meanwhile, the Cubs were actually pretty busy. So that's where that joke comes from. So as of now, I'm recording this on the 20th of March. Um, there are only three players that the Bears have basically signed. Uh, two of them have been confirmed by the team. One of them has not been confirmed yet. The three players... Our uh, number one is Angelo Blackson. He's a uh, defensive end, played for the Texans and the Cardinals last season. I don't really care about that signing. It's just more depth for the D-line. They decided to bolster their uh, secondary by bringing in Desmond Trufant. Uh, I'll give my opinion on that later. And most notable of all... (laughs) They decided to give a one-year deal uh, worth $10 million, up to a total of 13 to Andy Dalton. So the Bears have a new quarterback in town who apparently was told by the management that he's going to be the starter. So uh, the Bears' new quarterback is going to be the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton. So that is, uh, <laughs> that's basically all of the moves that they have made. However, um, in order for things to be perfectly balanced, as all things should be, uh, according to Thanos, uh, the Bears had to let some players go. Although, in contrast to the Thanos quote, I doubt that their offseason has been perfectly balanced. I do not think that the Bears have done a very good job, but I'll get into that later. Here are all the players that have left so far. Uh, Number one is Roy Robertson-Harris. I wanted the Bears to sign this guy. He ended up signing, I think, a three-year deal with Jacksonville. They got a lot of cap space down there. New coach. Probably going to have Trevor Lawrence. And also, Roy Robertson-Harris got a pretty large deal that I'm, in hindsight, now glad that the Bears decided not to give him because he was a backup player. He was good, but he got like $20 million. Um, Maybe not guaranteed, but that might have been the max value. So... That's uh, going to be a tough loss, but uh, the contract that they gave him was too steep. Uh, next one is Brent Urban. I really like this guy this year. He was really good, especially in filling in for Akeem Hicks when he was hurt and um, Eddie Goldman, who opted out. 
he decided to go down south as well. He went to Dallas on a one-year deal. Dallas really needs interior line help. It's a pretty good signing. Um, the Another one who left in free agency is uh, Mitch Trubisky, the, uh, the MVP. Decided to go back up Josh Allen in Buffalo. I think one year, $2.5 million is what he signed for, which... Um, I don't know. I I have mixed feelings about that from the perspective of Mitch. I think that um you know, he could have signed with the football team or the 49ers, but he was interested in going to the football team. And if he did, he probably would have been the starter. But he's going to uh Buffalo to, you know, get some experience from a good quarterback in Josh Allen. So I guess it's not that bad, but if he really wanted to to play more, I guess he could have gone to um, to uh, somewhere like Washington, who has a big need at the quarterback position. Now, there are a few players that may leave or have been uh, released, but not into the market yet. There are three main players. So, the first one is to Sean Gibson. His contract expired uh, this season. He very well could go back to the Bears. But he um, he also could not. I think he's an unrestricted free agent. Also, the Bears had to get under the cap. Um, and this one player had a $20 million cap hit. So not very cheap. But um, they cleared up $10 million by releasing him when the new league year started. And uh, that player was um, Kyle Fuller. <laughs> the Bears decided to release their Pro Bowl corner... Their lockdown corner, who they stuck with for like seven years now, because they needed to clear up cap room for Andy Dalton. <laughs> it's uh, it's a tough move, and I'll talk about that later. Also, another guy who could be out the door. This surprised me as well, but considering the other moves that they've made, it also doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Akeem Hicks could be out the door as well. Now this one. Again, I'll talk about it later. It makes a little bit more sense. He's over 30. He's got a large cap hit. He needs an extension. Word on the street is he wants a lot of money. Now, they have not released him, although they could, but they have given him permission to seek a trade. Now, knowing how trade value works for this type of player, a Pro Bowl interior D lineman over the age of 30, the Bears, if they wanted to trade him, would probably not get that much out of him. I know it sounds kind of weird, but there are a few things. The Bears just aren't good at trading away people. <laughs> they, they just aren't, like, they undervalue trading their own players away, but they overvalue trading for players. So I think the most they could really get out of him, him uh, Keem Hicks, is a fourth-round pick. That's my opinion. Maybe someone's going to overpay. Cowboys gave up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper, and no one thought that was going to happen. So that is all of the moves that the Bears have made in the last week. Obviously, things could change um, depending on when my uh, listeners are listening to this. Um, by the time this episode is uploaded, they could have, you know, traded for, I don't know, a revived version of Sid Luckman. I, I don't really know at this point. Those are the moves that they have made, and... Uh, Let's dive a little deeper into the uh, the plans for the upcoming season for Chicago. 
So for my fellow Bears fans, I know a lot of people can look at this offseason and be disappointed. And I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't disappointed as well. This team came into the offseason with not a ton of cap room, but uh, I hope that they would finally answer the question mark that has been the quarterback position basically since World War II. <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, you know, there are all those rumors flying around that the Bears were going to trade for Russell Wilson. They were going to trade for Deshaun Watson or something like that. And so far, unless something drastic changes, which, again, it's possible that, and it's very possible that they still can trade for someone like Russell Wilson, but it is not probable. And the Andy Dalton signing really, really encouraged that, especially, and it, the one thing that really hurt me about that is that Andy Dalton was immediately told that he was going to be the starter. And it's just... It's just sad, you know? I think... uh, I saw a clip from uh, Good Morning Football, which is on NFL Network. It's a pretty good show. Uh, They had Kyle Brandt talking. He's one of the anchors. And I think he's a Bears fan. Or at least he definitely angrily rants like a, a, uh, a Bears fan. Welcome to the club, Kyle. And he made some good points. He said that, you know, for a while everyone thought, you know, like I said, they were going to trade for Russell Wilson... But, you know, in the back of everyone's mind, we all knew that it was a fairy tale. It wasn't going to happen, given the cap situation and the team that Russell Wilson had had assembled in, uh, or had been a part of in Seattle. So we all knew that wasn't going to happen. But, you know, he said in, in one of the most disappointing moments in Bears history is signing Andy Dalton to a one year, $10 million deal. Uh, that and that list can be joined by the fourth quarter of uh, Super Bowl Forty One, and um, and some other things that he did not mention. But and I, I generally agree with that. You know, I for a long time I really did think that it seemed like the Bears were actually going to trade for Russell Wilson. But in the back of my mind, I I always kind of knew that like. It was going to be tough, man. I mean, given their cap situation, it would have been... I, I just I saw no logical way that it would actually work. But the thing that frustrates me more about the Bears offseason is not that they couldn't trade for Russell Wilson. I mean, it's it's the same... You know, I feel like it's a similar argument to, you know, when people look at the 2017 draft and they see, you know, Bears not taken... Uh, Patrick Mahomes or whatever and yeah it, it sucks that they didn't take Patrick Mahomes but it was you know it, it's not that they overlooked like the top priority in this uh, this free agency by not signing not only just a not only just Russell Wilson but they just didn't really <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this but it's not that they didn't do anything in free agency it's that they just didn't do enough, and they overlooked moves that they could have made instead of jumping the gun and making these like weird signings that just don't really make any sense. And so this is what I'm talking about. Now, don't get me wrong, I actually like Andy Dalton. I don't think he's that bad of a player, 
you know, when you look at Andy Dalton, he's been in the league since 2011. He's a good veteran. He didn't play that badly when he was on the Cowboys filling in for Dak Prescott. And he's made the Pro Bowl three times. That's the thing. (laughs) Andy Dalton has made the Pro Bowl three times. So it's not to say that he's a bad player or that he's like, in my opinion, it's a better signing than trading for Nick Foles. Because with Nick Foles, he had a bad contract and a player that wasn't really proven. Yeah, Andy Dalton is more proven, but it just shows that, you know, along with releasing Kyle Fuller, when they needed to clear $10 million, they could have just released Jimmy Graham, (laughs) a guy who has a no-trade clause but not a no-release clause, and that would clear up $8 million, and then they would have to release, like, a few depth players, and they'd be under the cap, and they'd be able to keep Fuller, and they'd probably be able to keep Hicks as well. It's not just signing Andy Dalton. If you wanted to sign Andy Dalton as a backup, that's fine. You know, if if Seattle really said, John Schneider, the uh, GM of the Seahawks, really told Ryan Pace, look, we're not going to trade Russell Wilson under any circumstances. He's unhappy with the team, but that's something we have to fix internally. So you can give me seven first-round picks and Khalil Mack and your firstborn child, and we still won't accept him. And that that's okay. I'm not mad at them for not tra- trading for Russell Wilson. It's okay. It was It was a fairy tale. But signing Andy Dalton and then releasing Kyle Fuller just to get under the cap when you could have done more for a little more effort but reap the the rewards of doing it it just shows me that that ryan pace the gm and this could potentially lead up to ted phillips uh, who i think is the ceo it just shows that they lack one thing that the rest of the bears have but are being held back from and that is a drive a real drive to do anything uh, to win. And, you know, unlike a lot of Bears fans, I actually think Ryan Pace is a talented GM. I know this is something that I could, you know, be, <laughs> I could be murdered for. Uh, you'll find me in Lake Michigan in three days, but no, I think you can't deny that Ryan Pace has made some good decisions as GM. I think that's something that a lot of Bears fans overlook. It's like, yeah, I know he kind of fumbled the quarterback situation, but this man has drafted David Montgomery. You have Eddie Jackson, Adrian Amos, Roquan Smith. He saw the talent of Danny Trevathan. I mean, he didn't draft Kyle Fuller, but you have Jalen Johnson. He, you know, signed Akeem Hicks. Like, you have all of these players... He got Allen Robinson on the team, you know? I mean, he he has James Daniels, Cody Whitehair. Like, the list goes on of just solid players that he has either drafted or signed. You can't... And he also traded for Khalil Mack. Like, I just... You can't say that (laughs) Ryan Pace has done nothing. I know he's not the best GM, but he's also far from the worst. I think it's something that the Bears... Bears fans often can get caught up on because they look at teams like the Chiefs, 
They look at teams like the Packers that are pretty well run, and they have superstar players. But you also have to remember that the Bears are both... Ryan Pace is not that horrible of a GM compared to other teams. And the owners are actually pretty good (laughs) compared to other teams as well. I mean, I know everyone hates the McCaskies, and I don't like them a ton, but... You know, at least they're not Dan Snyder. <laughs> at least they're not, you know, Stan Kroenke. Like what like what would Bears fans say if George McCaskey tried to, you know, move the team out of Chicago because there was more funding or something in like St. Louis? Like you would hate them, right? But they don't do that. Like you know, I, I understand they don't like the ownership, and I think the ownership has made some bad decisions. And Ryan Pace has too, you know. But it's just That's the most frustrating thing about the Bears, is the fact that their ownership should be experienced. Their general management should be fairly talented and have shown flashes of being good at their jobs. But they just seem to lack the drive and the urgency to really try and assemble a winning franchise. They seem like they're too settled on just the fact that they're going to go 8-8 eight and eight every season. Remember when everyone was kind of confused when Khalil Mack said, you know, two seasons ago that he feels a massive sense of urgency to win a Super Bowl, even though he's still got five years of productive play left? That's the mentality that I want the Bears management to have. And for a while, I thought they did. But this offseason just completely changed that. Say what you want about Matt Nagy, and I definitely have on this, on this show. I, I don't personally like him as a coach, but that guy is a respectable locker room personality, and he at least has the fire, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, most of the time, to, you know, get his team, like, in, you know, in shape to be competitive. That's the thing I've always respected about the Bears, especially the last few seasons. I understand Matt Nagy's scheming is kind of bad, but like the team did, has not really gotten blown out that much. Or at least when they have a bad half, they come back and they have you know a better second half. I don't see that same firepower from general manager Ryan Pace and Ted Phillips, and especially the McCaskies. You know, I just... It's disappointing. <laughs> it's just, it's it's disappointing. You want to know why that 2018 team was so good? It was because not only did they have momentum of trading for Khalil Mack, a young quarterback in Mitch Trubisky, an amazing defense that rivaled 2006 and 1985, and they had the heart to play through that entire season and got heartbroken on a missed field goal. Like, that team had the passion and the drive to win. The 2019 team and the 2020 team just haven't had that same fire. And it starts at the top, in my opinion. And I'm not I'm not going to say the McCaskies need to sell the team or anything. I, I, I don't really know what to say for that. You know, the McCaskies have owned the franchise for, for the entirety of its existence. But... I just, I I can't really defend Ryan Pace that much anymore. With the way that he conducted the team during free agency, 
it's it's very tough you know like you want to you want to sign Andy Dalton that's great he's a good quarterback you know and if he has to start for a few games that's okay but immediately telling him that he's the starter and implying that you're probably not going to take a quarterback in the draft because you still have two other quarterbacks on that roster and Nick Foles and you have Tyler Bray who's like the third string guy it just I don't know it just shows that you know Ryan Pace is ready to settle you know he really doesn't seem like he wants to be the best because I'm sorry you're not going to embarrass yourself with Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback you're not he's a good player but a if he gets injured you're screwed because Nick Foles doesn't work with the team. And B, even if Andy Dalton does have a good season, not even a like an insane season, but a good season, you're still not going to be that good. I just don't see the Bears going to the Super Bowl <laughs> with Andy Dalton as their starting quarterback. He, he didn't win a playoff game in Cincinnati. And that, I mean, you can make the argument that certain Cincinnati Bengals teams in the 2010s were better than the current Bears team, which I personally disagree with, but you know, whatever. It just, it's, it's frustrating as a Bears fan, you know? Another thing that I kind of took away from the, uh, the, uh, statement from Kyle Brandt on TV a few days ago was he said that, he said that he's talked to Bears fans, like, who literally have expressed concern that they will never live to see a good Bears quarterback. And not even Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Drew Brees, he said, but just like Matthew Stafford or Baker Mayfield. And, you know, it. <laughs> Andy Dalton, I just don't think is that guy. You know, I mean, I just, you know... And for anyone who thinks I'm exaggerating or Kyle Brandt was exaggerating, it's true. <laughs> it's true. The last Bears quarterback to make a Pro Bowl was Mitch Trubisky back in like 2017, I think. I think it was his rookie, maybe not his rookie season, his second season. But before that, name any good Bears quarterback. You can't, right? You can't name one good Bears quarterback. Yeah, Jay Cutler, he you know, stat padded a lot, and he has all the records, but he wasn't really that good, you know, go back to the 85 team, they had Jim McMahon, who, again, wasn't the leader of the team, not even the leader of the offense, they had Walter Payton on that team, if you're a real nerd like me, <laughs> you'll know that the last Bears quarterback that I think is in the Hall of Fame is Sid Luckman, you want to know when that guy played? He played in the 40s, so when I say the Bears haven't had a good quarterback since World War II, I am not exaggerating at all. <laughs> I'm not. And, you know, again, I'm not mad at the Bears for not trading for Russell Wilson. And Deshaun Watson, especially now, since he's got all those lawsuits coming after him. But, I mean, <laughs> the only way that they can fix this from here is drafting a quarterback, in my opinion. That's the only way that they can fix the the mistakes that they have made i mean for one what they can do is they can release jimmy graham and try to sign kyle fuller back but 
you know, it's just the Desmond Trufant signing kind of sealed his fate. And the frustrations of, you know, the Bears this free agency doesn't even start at the quarterback position. It just, it reflects on the entire team. It's not just quarterback. It's the utter disrespect that you showed Allen Robinson by not even talking to him, your best player on offense. You didn't even talk to him since September. The only reason he signed his franchise tag is because he made a smart business decision that he saw that the wide receiver market was trash and he wanted to stay on the team when he really doesn't even want to because you've neglected him. You know, it it goes further than wide receiver. It goes to the other side of the ball. Kyle Fuller, you're probably one of your more experienced players on defense and a Pro Bowl cornerback. You just release when you get into the first bit of cap trouble. Akeem Hicks, the centerpiece of your defensive line. He wants a new contract. Before you even start to negotiate with him, you are probably going to release him. Like, what message does that send to other young players like David Montgomery and Darnell Mooney and and Jalen Johnson? The second they demand a large contract, not even a large contract, just a contract that fits their, you know, tier of talent, that they don't deserve it and they can just be released? Because there are other teams who are willing to pay them. I mean... You know, I know the Bears are, you know, are tight in cap space, but look at the Chiefs, man. Look at the Chiefs. They have you beat at wide receiver, tight end, quarterback, safety, all in positional talent. They have the best quarterback in the league. They have arguably the best receiver in the league, the best tight end in the league, one of the best safeties in the league, and they still had room to sign the best offensive lineman in the entire free agency class. Think about that for a second. <laughs> the The Chiefs were able to pay Patrick Mahomes a massive contract. They gave Tyreek Hill a massive contract. They gave Travis Kelsey a huge deal. Tyron Matthew, huge contract. And they still signed Joe Thune, a former all-pro guard with New England, to an $80 million deal. And they signed Kyle Long, your former right guard, who you also messed up as well by moving him from right guard to right tackle after he made the Pro Bowl three straight seasons. So, it just, like, I'm not going to say that the Bears are frugal because they're not, but their priorities are all mixed up, okay? Instead of trying to sign, you know, your star wide receiver still in his 20s you decide to keep jimmy graham a guy who was good last season but like over 33 making eight million dollars with no like dead cap if you were to release him and you have an up-and-coming tight end in cole Komet and good depth at the position because you signed like 25 tight ends last season but no but no let's 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 release Kyle Fuller. Let's release Akeem Hicks. You know? Let's sign Kenny Galladay. That, I mean, if they sign Kenny Galladay, am I going to be mad? Probably not. But it's it's a priority problem, man. It's not, it's not about 
that Ryan Pace and Ted Phillips and Matt Nagy can't like don't have the literal talent or power to sign good players. They do, and they've proved it in the past. Say what you want about Matt Nagy, but he's a coach of the year, twelve and four. Now, do I mean do I do I think that that award means much? No, I don't. Jason Garrett won that award, coach of the Cowboys, and you know he's not that good of a coach. But something clicked on this team, and you have two losing seasons because of one position of need, and now you decide it's time to dismantle the core? At this rate, you might as well free Khalil Mack. Because, <laughs> I'm sorry, man, but Jalen Johnson's good, but you didn't address slot corner, and Desmond Trufant, a guy who played six games last season and has not been the same since he left Atlanta two years ago, is not going to, you know, match up well against Devontae Adams and Adam Thielen. So, <laughs> it's just, I'm not saying they should be blowing it up, but someone made a very serious error in the front office. Someone really messed up. Here's what I will say. I don't have all the answers. I'm just a kid who's been watching the Bears for a long time, and I'm voicing my frustrations. I don't know what it's like to be in a front office or to be, you know, this close to the luxury tax as the Bears are currently. But I do know this. When you are running a business, you have to treat your employees with respect. And a very big part of treating people with respect is knowing your priorities, knowing which employees are better at your at, better at a various job than the others and sometimes you have to fire people okay sometimes you got to move on from people who are too old or are making a lot of money and you know with the current front office we have in Chicago right now i'm not confident in their ability to recognize who to fire, who to pay, who to draft or sign. I'm not confident in the way that Pace and Ted Phillips conduct themselves. I just, I'm just not that confident, man. And it's frustrating because I know they can do it. I know that the front office can forge a good team. You know, that's what's so great about the Bears. You know, I know that front office hasn't been there for a hundred years, but the Bears have had some great teams, especially in the last 20 years. They've had some good teams. And I know they haven't been able to win a Super Bowl since 1985, and <laughs> no, Chicago sports fans will never stop talking about 1985. But you have to remember what made those teams so good. You have to remember why that team was the way it was. You want to be able to recreate the Super Bowl shuffle, which, by the way, was filmed in the middle of the season, which is insane. You have to replicate that confidence that that 85 Bears team had. And it starts at the top. The Bears just have portrayed a sense of false confidence 
for a few years now after the uh, playoff run in 2018, and it's spreading to the players. And we start to see signs of the the players being frustrated. So you have to replace the false confidence with actual confidence. You have to acknowledge the problems on the team and fix those problems while making sure you know your strengths as well. I'll leave you with this. Ted Phillips is the CEO of the Bears. So he's not the owner. The McCaskies are the owner, are the owners. Um, but Ted Phillips basically does what most owners do, or some owners. Ted Phillips has been on the team since 1999. And he's been at the same job since 1999. So that means he's hired Ryan Pace. He has indirectly hired countless head coaches. And who knows how many players he's drafted (laughs) who knows how many players how many times he's you know put his own opinions on the work of the scouts and tried to draft you know people i think for the bears to succeed the best way with the current core they have to do is you got to start at the top we know that the team is good we know that it's capable of winning But with people like Ryan Pace and Ted Phillips steering the team into an iceberg every few seasons, I just don't see how this team can make a Super Bowl run. Something to think about. All right, well, that is going to end a... uh, a very angry, <laughs> very angry, but uh, another banger of an episode of the Commissioner's Office podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, check us out on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. Uh, we got a few other episodes there. I covered the Bears uh, free agency preview last episode and um, covered their contingency plans for what to do in case of uh, no quarterback. So if you want to see what the Bears should do, uh, since they do not seem to have Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson on their team, you can go check us out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. But I'm going to be signing off now. See you later, everyone. (laughs) 